Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. I'm so fortunate to have as my guest today, John Kreidoff. John is a friend and a mentor. He's a father, a husband, a grandfather, former chief of police uh, here in Holland, Michigan. And John has just had some really powerful insights for me over the few years that we have known each other, especially related to wrestling down hurts, habits, and hangups from a Christ-based kind of recovery perspective. John, you've been serving in a recovery ministry for a few years now. What initially prompted you to get into that line of service? Well, it started years and years ago when I was working in a patrol car back in the early 70s. I uh, was on a patrol mission. Uh, that was my assignment. And uh, many times I would be sent to the same home on the west side of Holland. And over and over, what I would encounter would be a father who was drunk and tearing up his house, ending up assaulting his, his wife. Over the period of years, I would be there several times arresting him. And one of the things I noticed as I was uh, there was his children, especially about a 10-year-old young lad that was standing there watching all this happen. Well, I took a lot of family domestics in, in, during my career. And so fast forward about 15 years later, I get sent to a home up in Holland Heights. And uh, kind of a situation was the same, a walk-in, the place is in disarray, father's enraged, drunk. And as I encountered that particular one, I identified him as that young lad many years back who was standing there watching his dad. As I arrested him and was walking out the door, I saw a young little boy about three years old standing in the corner, and I thought to myself, if this chain isn't broken, we'll be back for him someday. And I thought and that really impacted me because I had been in a lot of different domestic issues in my career. I saw so much dysfunctional that story is repeated many times by different officers who had been uh, in homes and then years later arresting the children. I felt that someday I'm going to do a ministry that would help try to break that chain. That's powerful. And again, I think that when people hear a story like that, they, they think, well, of course those things happen out there somewhere. But for you to say, no, you've, you've witnessed those cases firsthand, that kind of brought a fresh sense of urgency to, to you wanting to intervene. It did. It really did. Being a believer in Jesus Christ, I knew that a heart has to change because my heart was changing during my years of working and getting older. And uh, But one of the things that I encountered personally was in my own family. I had a son who, as he got older, we had issues like most families do. It wasn't dysfunctional, but it was a dad that uh, was trying to guide his son in a way that I found later was not the best way to do it. And as a result, we had a very fractured relationship. And where, where did things go from there? Well, back in 2005, I joined a group of guys, a small group of guys, who invited me to come in. And little did I know it was a recovery group. However... <laughs> they, they, didn't tell, they didn't tell you that's what it was? No, it wasn't. But it was the first time I ever sat with a group of guys who got totally honest about themselves. Yeah. They stopped blaming others okay. and started owning their own what we call character defects, identifying these character defects and doing something about that. And, you know, uh, it didn't involve drug or alcohol. I was not into that. I found out that issues of control, codependency issues, having a dynamic personality that's controlling can be harmful also. 
So during that journey, I found out that I was in a recovery journey myself. And as a result of that, and it took a while, um, my son and I have a restored relationship that I'm really grateful for. And then that moved, I moved on to a, a, a ministry called Celebrate Recovery at my church. And uh, that's more of a specific uh, ministry of recovery. John, where were you in your career when you started meeting with those group of men? Were you still actively serving as? I was. I was the police chief. I was still there. And recognizing that everybody has issues. Yeah, we, you're right. We call them hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And we need to deal with them because uh, they can be damaging in relationships. Yeah. It, it would seem like if you had control issues, one a, a really tricky kind of job to have if you have some control temptations is to be the head of law enforcement in a municipality. Like when you're at a job where people are supposed to do what you say and you can make them do what you say, that would, would manifest itself in some interesting ways. It, it really was different. Um, I felt I was pretty successful in law enforcement. And you're right, you uh, had the position of control saying this or that and it was being done. And I thought, well, if I'm successful there, I'll just do the same thing at home. Right. Uh, that did not work. I can tell you that did not work. You can be a command officer at work and not a command officer at home. Is that what you were saying? <laughs> or you weren't getting great results at home. I wasn't. That, well, with my son, it did not work out well. So, yeah. 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 So what ended up being the turning point in your relationship with your son? Me trying to st- stopping to control his behavior yeah. and identifying my own character defects and working on them. And John, when did the light bulb go on that no matter what you did, you really couldn't manipulate him into whatever outcome you wanted for him? Well, as I was with these guys, just three other guys, just four of us. Yeah. And we all shared about our own personal issues. And what was interesting is that three of the four of us had issues dealing with fathers and sons. Yeah. So I recognized that I got to stop doing what I'm doing and start working on myself. And as a result, I started to change. Yeah. Inside, my behavior changed. And then I went down the journey of... Uh, trying to restoration, you know, it's called making amends. Yeah. Initially, that didn't go so well because I told my son what I was up to. He really didn't believe me. In fact, he said to me, uh, we'll see if you change. And he left again. I knew that I was on a journey myself of changing, and it took years. And how old was your son at this point? He's in his early 20s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it took years. It just doesn't happen overnight. And so I encourage people, recovery and restoration doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It could take years, and it did for me, but I can say now, years later, that um, we have a very healthy relationship together. That really started my journey of wanting to get involved in other people's lives and encourage them that restoration can happen in broken relationships. Yeah. John, even as, as you're talking, I think about that parable in the scriptures about the prodigal son, and I think that some of us who are parents who have had conflict with our kids or our kids have rejected us or rejected our worldview, Sometimes the temptation to say, well, the prodigal son, he ran away and the father's job was, was never to bend the line, not to change anything about, about himself, but just to wait for him to come back. And I think there are a lot of parents who are just kind of sitting in their study with their arms folded waiting for their kids to come back. And I hear you saying, hey, even if your kid does come back, if you're not the kind of person who's any different than when they left, you, you, can't, you can't expect a, a different or a deeper or a richer or a merciful relationship. Am I hearing you right? Yeah. You're right. We, we sit back and we try to control them if they're still here. Though if they leave, that's another thing. With my son left, but I've worked on myself, yeah. right? And when, when we were able to get back together, I had to uh, share with him how I changed because uh, he felt I was going to continue to try to change him. Yeah. And over time, and like the old adage, the cat's in the cradle of the silver spoon, you know, I'm going to be like you, Dad. I'm going to be like you. 
a kid's going to watch their dads and, and change. I didn't want him to turn out like me and because of what I did, and so I had to change, and now we have a good relationship, and we're talking about he talks about himself now because he's got kids. Yeah. So. From when you decided that you want to make a change to when your son actually believed that you were changing, how much time had transpired? I'm going to say probably three to five years in okay. that area. I didn't really pay much attention to that, but it took years, not months, not okay. weeks. Okay. It was years, yeah. And, and even that, I think, is both a challenge and an encouragement because I think that there are some of us who say, hey, if this, if this relationship doesn't get fixed overnight, either I'm broken or they're broken or God's broken. And I hear you saying none of those things have to be true. Sometimes the work just takes time to do well. We have to look at it in the inside of ourselves and identify what am I responsible for? Right. And that's true in about any recovery is what am I responsible for? But usually what I have found also is that there's a deeper root of why is that happening? Yeah. And that's what we got to get to is what's the deeper root? Why is this causing me to act the way I am? So. And when you looked in the mirror in your own story, what, what ended up being the deeper root for you, if you don't mind sharing? Sure. What I did and what we all did, these, uh, the four of us, is that we went on a journey to identify our deeper root, okay? We went on a mission of meeting with our parents separately, if they were still around. My parents were. met with my mom and my dad separately and then together. And I just asked them about their past. Yeah. And I found out some interesting things about both my mom and my dad that led to a deeper root. And then I looked at my own childhood, and I identified a couple of roots. I'm going to call them a couple of lies that I believed at an early age, okay. which impacted me for years. Yeah. And I'll tell you what they were. I, I, I believed the lie that there was something wrong with me mm. and that it was not important. Mm. And those were lies, but I believed them because of my past. And your parents never came out and said Absolutely either one not. of those. No, no. But I, you were just kind of intuiting that. That's what I figured as a young age, as a young boy, because of different dynamics that happened in my life. And that's what I believed for a long period of time. You never know what's going to result as of, because of that lie you believe. And when I identified the lie, and I knew it was a lie, then I could get rid of that and then I could change. Yeah. What were some of the unconscious effects of that, of holding on to that lie for as long as you did? Well, I felt that I was not important, and so I didn't get much attention, I felt, so I went and got attention. And yeah. Some of that was pretty unhealthy. A couple, there, there's, there's good ways and bad ways to pursue attention. Right, and I, didn't, I, and I thought, I'm going to get attention by my parents. As a result of that, I had some discipline in my own life, and uh, I had to deal with that, but I started identifying that stuff at a later age. Yeah. Knew what caused me to do some of the things I did. Yeah. And, and it seems like... It, I, I can only speak to this from my own journey, but it seems like sometimes if you buy, one, if one of the lies is you're not important, but your achievements or your career success can make you important, you kind of ch- chase that brass ring and you, you grab a hold of it and realize that it, yeah. it didn't, didn't fix the problem. Well, what's interesting is that during my times in my teenage year, early teenage years, I was a little bit rebellious. Okay. But I always wanted to be a cop. That was kind of didn't make sense to me either, but I never got in super big trouble and it didn't jeopardize my career. But then my, look where my career really at. I, I was a police officer for many years, and uh, I should say a uniformed officer in a patrol car for many years, which led to being a command officer over the, the uniform division and ended up to being the police chief. Yeah, I really didn't think it was going to head that way, but I felt God directed me and, and allowed me to head in that direction and have those positions for his purpose. Yeah. So, John, talk about how you started to get involved in a more formal, structured Christ-based recovery ministry. Okay, well, Cellar Recovery is a ministry that I'm involved in right now, and it started at Central Wesleyan Church in 
September of 2016. And I had never heard of that until my son-in-law, my, my daughter's husband, shared with me years ago, years before they were married, that he, he came from some brokenness in his family. And he got involved in a Celebrate Recovery ministry at a church in the east side of the state in Brighton, Michigan. And he shared with me what that was all about, and I thought, I never heard of that. Hmm. And uh, so I checked, and it was not around the West Michigan area that I could find. Okay. And this is back in back a few years back. It was announced in our church that Celebrate Recovery was going to start. And I said to my wife, uh, hey, that's what uh, our son-in-law was involved in, and he just loved it. In fact, he said it transformed his life. I said, I'm hmm. going to look into that. Hmm. So when it started, I uh, met with the leaders, got involved, been involved ever since, since day one. So uh, it's been exciting. With people who aren't familiar with Celebrate Recovery, how is it similar or different from AA or NA or other sure, yeah. uh, 12-step programs that people may have heard of? Well, Celebrate Recovery is a faith-based 12-step program which uses the 12 steps normally known as from AA, but also use the scriptures. It's called the, we call them the eight principles or better known as the Beatitudes. Okay. And a man by the name of John Baker in 1991 he was, lived in Southern California. He, uh, he went to his pastor and said, Pastor, I'm an alcoholic. Hmm. He says, I've been going to AA, but I may no longer name Jesus Christ as my higher power. He says, and I go to your church, and I go to your men's Bible study, and I don't feel comfortable about talking about my alcohol problem with them. Hmm. He said, I think we need something in the middle. Okay. And as a result, they had a conversation, and Mr. John Baker started Celebrate Recovery with his pastor. And that was in 1991, so just about 32 years ago, and it's blossomed ever since. Started in a small one, I, think I heard it was a gymnasium with about 40 people. And it is 32 years later in 37,000 places around the world in many different languages. The primary focus here of CR is that we, we now only name Jesus Christ as our higher power. And I'm a big believer in the 12 steps because they are very effective, but also the scriptures are wrapped through them. Right. And so it's a CR is a faith-based ministry that uh, deals with any type of issues of we call recovery. Now let me throw, point out this too. The stigma is attached to CR because it's using the 12 steps that it's for mainly for alcoholics and drug addicts. Okay. That's the furthest thing from the truth. A study's been done by CR and we found out that 70%, that's 70% of the people that come to CR come for other reasons okay. than alcohol and drug. Okay. So out of 100 people, 30 come for alcohol and drug issues, 70 come for other issues, which can be a variety of issues. Of one which is, I always say, I, I still deal with and work on my issues of control and codependency. Right. And uh, there's a lot of different uh, addictions out there or issues that people struggle with. And again, we just commonly know, name them hurts, habits, and hangups. So, gotcha. So, John, if if somebody feels like they're struggling with codependency or alcoholism or anger or some other issues like pornography or gambling, mm -hmm. if they were to come to a Celebrate Recovery meeting, whether it was here in Holland or somewhere else, what what could they expect? What what does it look like for somebody who might feel intimidated to show up for the first time? Sure. We meet every Monday night at six thirty at the church, and we start the. Uh, the night off with the first hour is a mixed group. Uh, people, um, for us, it's adults 18 and, un, uh, 18 and over. And uh, it's about the first 15, 20 minutes is just time of praise and worship to God. And then there's a teaching of the 12 steps with the biblical um, implication of it. 
or a testimony. Every other week is teaching or testimony. And that goes through the whole year. We started step one in January of this year. And uh, we'll, we'll work through the 12 steps throughout the year. And then again, integrated into that are testimonies of different people that are willing to share their personal story in depth about how God and uh, recovery has helped change their life. That's the first hour. And then we offer what we call open share groups in the second hour. And those are uh, gender specific. The men go one way, the women go the other way. We've identified five groups for the men, five groups for the ladies. And uh, they sit in uh, groups, smaller groups, and uh, they share about their life's journey and what's going on. And uh, again, that's all specific issues, you know, so the people that are struggling with alcohol and drugs go to one group. We have a sexual addiction group. We have one for depression and anxiety, um, one called anger control and everything else. And then the ladies have uh, another group. Oh, we just started one for um, veterans called okay. Welcome Home. Okay. Just found out that uh, that's a needed group. So and then the ladies have, uh, they have one for alcohol and drug dependency also. They have one called disordered eating and body image, one called codependency, uh, one for sexual integrity, and one called anger, anxiety, and everything else. So okay. we have identified the top f- kind of five issues people struggle with. And then the everything else groups, uh, if you've got a specific issue you struggle with, you can go to that one. Okay. And they're very effective. Mm-hmm. And John, if people come for the first time, did, are they required to share in those open share groups or can you come and observe what, what tends to be the, the practice there? A first timer is called a newcomer by us and we okay. have our own specific newcomers group. So we, every week we invite the newcomer to come to a newcomers group that's, that's done it, come one time. We explain what Celebrate Recovery is all about. Yeah. We allow them to ask, answer questions and then we meet with them just specifically. I, I'll take the guys with me uh, after we give the overall view we ask two questions, basically. You know, how'd you hear about CR and why'd you come tonight? Okay. And uh, that opens up the door for a lot of uh, different things. And then um, it's amazing how open people are right away. And then we just get a guidance of where to go and where to continue on the next week and the next month. And we encourage them to keep coming back. It's, it's uniquely different. It's very effective. And what's interesting is that we follow what we call the DNA of Celebrate Recovery. It's the, at the National League level. They um, want us to run a CR program the, the same way. Sure. So whether you're going to Holland or you're going to one in Detroit or California, they all run the same way. They have not changed that hardly at all in 32 years. Wow. So it's been very effective. And with the growth that they've seen, I guess it's working because I know it works. John, one of the other principles that I really appreciate about CR is that, it, that it's anonymous uh, and that it's confidential, correct? Right. We stress the two guidelines, anonymity and confidentiality. Okay. We protect people who come. We don't tell anybody outside the walls who were there. And anything that's shared is confidential. We don't share that either. And we try to make it as safe as possible for people to come because we know if they don't feel safe there, they're not coming back. Yeah. And so we really emphasize that both at the large group and at the small group level. And then, and then there's another level of Celebrate Recovery, which is held on another night, and it's called Step Study Night. Yeah. And uh, that's, we really encourage people to get involved in that. However, that's a very, very committed time to get together and study the 12 steps at a very deep level. Yeah. And let God work in their life, and that changes lots of lives. Again, that's a very committed time. It takes about nine or ten months to get through these, this material. Yep. I've been in many of them. I tell you, if you form great relationships, God does work there and changes a lot of lives. 
one of my initial exposures to Celebrate Recovery is it was just, it had been started at a church that I was a part of on the east side of the state and had a chance to speak at large group every once in a while and then had a gentleman challenge me to participate in a step study. Mm-hmm. And because I was also the pastor of the church, they're like, it'll kind of change the dynamics if you're in a step study with other people. So he gave me private lessons. <laughs> it was kind of a modified step study, but that was, that was truly transformative. Right. really put a finger on some of the issues in my life that I was not consciously aware of. Yeah. And God did a, a really liberating work in that season. Sure. A step study is broken down into basically four different books. Yep. But the, the first book, and it's basically step one, two, and three, has to do with you and your relationship with God. Yeah. And I believe step three is probably one of the more important steps where it says I surrender. I voluntarily surrender my life and my wills over to God. Yeah. And that's a critical time because a lot of people try to do this on their own, right. their own power. But finding out that over times of failure after failure after failure, you need another power. And um, so the initial book is all about introducing yourself to God if you don't know him and then surrendering your, your will to him. Okay. And then the next book is all about dealing and identifying your own issues. All right. We call it um, moral and the spiritual inventory. Right. That's pretty heavy, and it takes a long time. You don't get through that over in, in, in just a couple of weeks. That's what helped change my life as I went, I, I dove deep into my own life. You know, you ask yourself, who has hurt me in my life? Yeah. Um, what that look like? How did that impact me? Yep. And then the big question is, what am I doing or what have I done to deal with that hurt? Yeah. And a lot of times that's a negative decision to do. Sure. That can be life-changing. And then during that time, also those steps also, you identify your what we call character defects. So those, that's, a, that's a very important part of this journey of recovery and the step study. And then you move on to, to the next book, which deals all about forgiveness and making amends. Because one of the things I've learned and I've seen in, in dealing with many, many men over these years now is almost every hurt, habit, or hang-up involves another person. Right. Always. And it's usually in a negative way. Yeah. That deals with that. It's very biblical that we have to offer forgiveness and try to make amends. And sometimes that can be very difficult. And then there's different ways to do it because uh, I helped a young, one young man who uh, said, my dad's passed away. Yeah. And so we worked through together writing a letter to him, going to his, actually going to his grave. Wow. Reading the letter there. He ended up burning the letter up. And it was very healing for him. And uh, so there's different ways to, to make amends if it's not face-to-face. And sometimes uh, making amends face-to-face is not the best thing to do because right. of just the dynamics of that relationship. Right. And then the fourth book is about maintaining what I call a maintaining a healthy life. And then uh, step 12 is always giving it to somebody else, giving it away. Because yeah. a lot of times we certainly know another person that could use this journey. So Yeah. And that's what it's all about. And it takes many months. And, and it's that we meet weekly. But it's life-changing, and uh, I've seen a lot of people share their journey of a step study who has changed their life. So, John, you and I were talking in an earlier conversation about how some people just because they've gotten into some trouble or maybe they've had some run-ins with the law that any kind of recovery is court-ordered for them. Um, so I just want to remind our listeners that if you know if you know somebody who is required to participate in reco- in recovery, celebrate recovery is and can be an option for them. It is yes. We've I've met with the courts and uh, and uh, they have authorized us to be a, a, a an approved recovery meeting as long as you lead the twelve steps, which we do all the time. We can sign their papers and their documents of uh, required attendance, and uh, that counts for a, a meeting for them. So and, and I've met many people that come to see our 
who have done that. And uh, many are coming, and I, sometimes I ask, why do you come to this one? And they say, because I need, I, I want, I believe in God. Right. I just want something that's spiritually based. Yeah. And that's great, you know. And I got nothing bad to say about AA, the secular ones, but um, we are very focused, and I, I say it often, we're not embarrassed or ashamed to tell you that Jesus Christ is a higher power, our only higher power. Yeah. And uh, that's that's one of the bigger differences. So. Yeah. That's great. John, any, any kind of final encouragements for people who might be struggling through their own hurts, habits, and hang-ups? I meet often with people one-on-one. I love doing that. If it works, I always say, I got five questions I want you to ask yourself okay. as, as you're going down your journey, okay? And I thought I'd share them with you, all right? These are the five questions I, ask my, I have them ask themselves, and it'll say, the first one is, who am I allowing to influence me? Is that a good or a bad influence? Because we always have good friends or whatever, and sometimes people don't want to let go of some older friends. So I say, who are you allowing to influence you? Is it good or bad? And you need to do something about the bad ones, because otherwise you'll continue on this bad journey. So, right. Second one is, what am I doing to grow in my relationship with God? Because if we're not growing in ahead, moving forward, then we're probably stepping backwards, and we need to continue to step forward. And CR will help you do that because we're faith-based. Third question is, am I going to any unhealthy places? Where's my environment? Where, where do I hang out? Because that's going to be a, either a, a positive or a negative also. So uh, check yourself on that. Where, where are you going on your, the rest of the week? Okay. Next one is, do I have anyone in my life that I trust and I'm willing to be honest with about my life? We need someone. We, we emphasize this all the time. You don't want to do this journey by yourself. You've got to have somebody else in your life with you that you trust, that you're willing to be honest with. And uh, that's not the negative influencer either. It's a a positive person, somebody that understands recovery, um, understands you a little bit. You need someone to talk to and encourage you to continue on. And then the final one is, are you attending a weekly healthy recovery meeting? And uh, so I believe those five questions are always asked. You should always ask yourself, those and see where you're at with them and uh, if you can answer any of those in a negative fashion you need to stop and do something about it. One of the things I've also learned and, and a lot of people will say well I want your advice. I always say well how do you know my advice is worth giving to you? you know, how do you know it's the <laughs> correct advice? You know, I don't know. Right. And so one of the things I've learned to do instead of giving advice is ask questions because I found out that most people do know what to do. They just aren't sure if that's the right thing to do. So I always ask, what, what, are, what are things you think you should do? And then guide them through their own journey of answering, their, answering the right questions and uh, heading in the right direction. So. so good. John, again, where can people go if, they need to, uh, if they've got further questions or want more information? Well, they can call Central Wesleyan Church and uh, just say, I understand you have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And if it's a, it's a mail, it's going to be directed right to me. Okay. And, uh, I will get back with them so they can leave, a, leave their number or an email or something. I'll get back to them right away. And if it's a woman, they'll uh, direct it to our ministry leader, Vipka Reese. Okay. If you will get back with them, we will uh, answer any questions. Again, we meet every Monday night, 6.30, entrance H right now. We're going to probably change that because uh, we're going to head into a different part of the church uh, in summer. Okay. But, and we even meet during holidays. We meet no matter when. And we modify the meetings a little bit on holidays, but we're there every single Monday night because we know that some people may be by themselves, so we're there. 
We encourage people to show up, and we offer, we, we say, CR offers hope for the hopeless, a new life through Jesus Christ, and many new friendships. Great, John. Thanks so much for your time, and thanks for sharing your story with us today. Okay, you bet. Good to be here. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.